Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California, in the Central Coast here. Great weather we're having in August, as we typically do. You should definitely come and visit. And if you do, you know, let me know. We'll grab lunch or something like that. Today's show is actually uh, a little different. It's about emotional intelligence, right? Now, why would we talk about such things on a personal finance show? It sounds a little uh, soft, right? Maybe it's uh, maybe not really uh, something that you may want to tune into initially. But, you know, let's start out by defining what emotional intelligence is. Okay, if you want to see emotions in their rawest form, look at a toddler, all right? And for that matter, you can even look at like a seven-year-old because I have a seven-year-old right now and she's kind of like this too where one moment she's an angel and the one moment she has a complete meltdown and she's a demon from hell. Adults aren't different, right? You see it all the time. I mean, geez, you should look at me. I'm like a toddler sometimes emotional intelligence really though is the ability to step away from those emotions especially in the moment and examine why you're having them and if they're rational and if you should act differently than your emotions tell you to do uh toddlers don't do that and frankly you know probably most adults don't do it very well either including myself i don't think i do it that well Uh, why is emotional intelligence useful to have well Emotions can get us into trouble unchecked. You know, we've all sent the text or the email that we wish we hadn't done in the moment and then we regret it and then it's like, oh man, why did I do that? And we all have those moments that we wish we'd kept our mouth shut. Uh, you know, as, as Warren Buffett says, and I love this quote from Warren Buffett, he says, you can always tell someone go to hell tomorrow. I think it's a great quote. I wish I could... Uh, I've tried to harness that in the moment, by the way, and I think it's helped me uh, once or twice already. Buffett also, um, you know, the master of quotes said famously, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Now, everyone knows that you should buy low and sell high, right? But when the shit hits the fan, few people are really able to overcome emotions and do what they rationally know they should do. I mean, look at you know, the COVID-19 and man, I mean, the market just got 
trashed right like everybody's freaked out but you know <laughs> imagine just going in there and having if you're a stock market person and just saying i'm just gonna buy i'm just gonna buy as much as i can because i know this is a temporary thing you would have come out way ahead right anyway bottom line is uh that emotional intelligence is actually quite important for uh investors and because of that, on this week's uh, Wealth Formula podcast, uh, we will be talking to an expert on emotional intelligence. And uh, the good news is it sounds like it might be something that you can not only measure, but also improve uh, and opt- uh, to optimize multiple facets in our lives. And we'll have all that when we come back after these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest in Wealth Formula Pod cast is Carolyn Stern. Carolyn is uh, an emotional intelligence and leadership development expert. She's the author of The Emotionally Strong Leader, an inside-out journey to transformational leadership. Carolyn, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast. Thanks for having me, Buck. So, um, you know, I want to start out uh, right at the beginning, and, uh, and, you know, the topic here really is about building emotional intelligence, but why don't we start out by defining what exactly uh, emotional intelligence is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, emotional intelligence is being intelligent about your emotions. So it really is about using the information our emotions provide to act appropriately in the face of daily challenges. Mm-hmm. So sort of separating ourselves, being an observer of ourselves and kind of going, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? And how can that feeling give me some information? Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you're frustrated versus angry, yeah, those two emotions, I mean, we feel them many times throughout our life. How many times have you been frustrated, but shown it as anger? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, probably all the time. Right. <laughs> do, what is the causal difference between the two? Do you know? Uh, between frustration and anger. Yeah. Well, frustration to me is an internal thing. Anger is how you express it, uh, is, is a reaction to it. Okay. I don't know. That's what I would think. That's what you would think. So they're both emotions, but frustration stems from unmet expectations. Anger stems from sort of unfairness or injustice. 
So there's an example that if I knew what I was feeling and why I was feeling what I was feeling, I could do something with that information. So if if you haven't met my expectations, I might do something different than if I feel something was fair or un- unfair or unjust. Yeah. 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 How would you, is there a way to measure emotional intelligence? Yes. So in the book, um, I take the reader through um, a very intensive assessment, a self-assessment of how do you assess yourself on 15 different competencies. So, and there are 15 different emotional intelligent competencies uh, with the model that I use. And so, you know, honest, you know, do you consider yourself with self-regard, for instance? Do you consider yourself confident, able to take your needs into consideration? Would you consider yourself high, low, middle or on the dark side and the dark side um something that a lot of the literature literature doesn't talk too much about the dark side of emotional intelligence you can be too much of something yeah think about it if you're if you're too confident you can be a narcissist yeah right. <laughs> you can have an inability to admit mistakes so it's really a find about finding that sweet spot uh-huh got it and then so once you kind of have a baseline of it i guess the question is first of all why do we want to, I mean, we want to build it presumably, but why do we want to build it? What's, what's important about this to us? Well, I think we've never learned. I mean, I talk about this in the book. We've never learned. We never had an emotional education. I don't know about you, but I didn't have superior emotional intelligent role models. Did you? <laughs> no, definitely not. No. Okay. No. So, so unfortunately, uh, you know, you don't learn it at home. And then, you know, having been in a university instructor for almost 25 years, I know we're not teaching it in the university system. And in fact, it took me five years to lobby to get my emotional intelligence course in, in the school of business at the university I teach at. Why? Because uh, my faculty said it wasn't academic enough. Yeah, yeah. We all know that as soon as you're leading people, people are creatures of emotions. So we need to have an emotional education. So how does one actually um, build emotional intelligence? Well, like you said earlier, Buck, I think the most important thing is you got to figure out what your baseline is. And that's what the book teaches you is what is your baseline? So I'll take me, for instance, I have, I'm really assertive. I have healthy, high level of assertiveness. So what does that mean? I have no problem speaking up and saying what I need to say, but in a non-offensive way. However, I have a low independence. Which means, and people are always surprised by that because I run my own company. Right. Uh, you know, I'm financially independent. Right. But I rely, I'm emotionally dependent. I rely too much on what people think. I'm not as self-directed. Why? Because I grew up with a very overbearing mother. And so as a child, I never kind of learned how to stand on my own two feet. So even though I'm high in assertiveness and low in de- independence, um, that figuring out what the emotional strategies are to help with my emotional regulation is going to be different than for you. And then on the dark side, I have really high flexibility, which means I am overly flexible. So when my employees ask me to do one thing and I'll say, okay, sure. And another employee asks me to do another, I'll flip-flop. That's not a great thing because sometimes you need to be stringent and put your foot down as a leader. You need to Mm -hmm. say, this is what we're doing. And so that my high flexibility coupled with my low independence doesn't, that's my Achilles heel. That's what I have to work on. And so what we do in the book is we teach people. So of those 15 competencies, where do you land? Where are you high? Where are you low? Where are you in the middle? And where are you on the dark side? 
And then from there, we help you come up with some strategies. Now, here's the thing. The strategies are simple, but not always easy. So for instance, to be more independent, I need to stop asking reassuring questions. Right. Right? Simple. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe for you, but for me, that's hard sometimes Mm -hmm. because I struggle with that. Right. Got it. Got it. So how, you know, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, you mentioned you're, you're teaching this in um, the business school situations. Where do you see the most benefit coming to this? I mean, is it just about, you know, building better cultures and businesses and, and that kind of thing uh, with leadership? Yeah, I think the way people feel at work affects how they perform at work. So whether we like it or not, feelings aren't going to go away. I mean, the pandemic was a great opportunity for us to see, you know, emotions rise to the surface, right? So, I mean, it really shone a light that we're emotional creatures and that we all have emotions and lives outside the office. And now with the, with the lines blurred, people get to see them a little bit more. But we need to start knocking down the stigma that sharing emotions and being honest with how you're feeling is a sign of weakness, which is why I named the book, the emotionally strong leader. You can be emotional and strong. I feel things very deeply, but I'm still a strong businesswoman. And so I think that the key is we need to make friends with our feelings, stop being so afraid of them, look for the wisdom that they provide. And then that's how you're going to change how you connect, communicate and lead. How does, uh, Emotional intelligence, how can it potentially, let's say not necessarily just in the um, business world, but in general, improve performance of people's lives? Well, for me, I'll I'll use me as an example. Um, Over a year ago, I was 125 pounds heavier. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I was eaten about my feelings. Maybe not a year ago, maybe a year and a bit ago, but a while ago, I was eating about my feelings. And I finally, in fact, helping me write the book, I got to talk about my feelings and then do something about it. Like I was able to say, okay, rather than eating and stuffing my feelings down, I could look at them from objectively. And so it helps me in my personal life, health wise, it's made me, you know, a healthier weight than I was prior. But I think, I mean, any personal interpersonal problem emotional intelligence is the answer because we are creatures of emotions and things affect us all day long and we feel lots of different emotions all day we just have never been tuned into them so i'm assuming buck you stop for lunch right no, <laughs> but do you not really. no not really well you stop for <laughs> dinner you stop for any meal buck yeah. Not, well, I mean, uh, well, I have a sort of a different lifestyle. I do intermittent fasting too, so I don't really eat. Okay, very much. okay, okay. <laughs> you do sleep, right? and you do sleep, right? You do. Sure, do I sleep. sleep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but we take care of our physical yeah. health. Uh-huh. But how often are we taking care of our emotional health? So, when was the last yeah. time before you did a podcast? Did you check in with how you're feeling? Mm. Yeah. I, I usually don't do that. Uh, usually, mostly I'm focused on making sure that my board is working and my audio is and that kind of thing, but but not so much the uh, emotional preparation. Yeah, and and think about it. I mean, what what could you do if you were having a bad day and not feeling your best? How did that affect your performance? Did you do the best podcast? Probably not. So is the is the idea then, Carolyn, that in an ideal situation, you'd, you know, you'd have what you're about to perform in or do your task or whatever 
get an assessment of where you are emotionally and then be able to intervene if it's not optimized? Yeah, absolutely. It's figuring out, um, again, where you stand. In the second part of the book, we talk about you got to ask others because you all, our self-perception is flawed, right? Yeah. What you, th- How you think you show up might not be how other people think you show up as a leader. So you might have the grandiest intentions, right? but it might not land the way you want it. Right. Um, and, and I talk about that in the book. I talk about, you know, I had an employee once that said to me, I'm so much happier w- working in a different city than you. And that was like an arrow to my heart because I thought I was a great leader, but I was too involved. She didn't want, I, I was, was in, asked her a lot of questions I, and included her in all the company decisions, but she just wanted to be left alone. So from her perspective, she thought I was overly involved. From my perspective, I thought I was a good, doing a great job involving her and making her feel like she was included in part of the decisions. And so your impact does not equal, or your intentions does not equal your impact. Right. Um, can you give me sort of an idea or uh, give the audience an idea of like sort of how you would, an example of how you would go about once you've got a baseline of your emotional intelligence and say um, you you have a big weakness, like what are what are some of the things that you do in order to actually change? Well, it depends on on what you're weak in, but I'll give you an example. So some of the things that I see from the leaders I work with uh-huh. is maybe overly confident, like too confident, a bit narcissistic at times, an inability to admit mistake. Perhaps some of them are too independent, which means they don't ask for help. They try to be the superhero and have all the solutions to to problems. It could be that they don't have enough empathy or maybe too much empathy, that they care too much and getting meshed in people's stuff, Mm -hmm. or that they don't have enough empathy and don't care about people. It could be that they have really low impulse control and don't delay their gratification and maybe make rash decisions or interrupt people. So it could be a lot of those things, or it could just be simply is they don't have a positive attitude outlook on life. So whatever those things are, then you come up where we work with each of our leaders. And in the book, we talk about them, some of these strategies on what you can do. So for instance, if you have too much empathy and you're on the dark side and you get enmeshed in people's stuff, and you carry the emotional burdens on people's shoulder, your shoulders of other people's stuff, what you can do is set some better boundaries. So next time you're coaching someone or leading someone and they, you, they tell you their, their problems, you don't have to solve it. All yeah. you need to do is say, okay, what's yours is yours and what mine is, is mine. And, and you can coach them. You can ask them questions. How do you think you're going to get through this issue? But you don't have to be the problem-solving hero. And that's probably one of the biggest things that we work with leaders is they, try, they think that they have to be stoic, unhindered, they, unflappable. But you're human. Yeah. You know? What, um, let me ask you this. If you, you know, because we, we uh, you know, this show we have a, our focus tends to be on personal finance. I'm curious on emotional intelligence as it relates to money, what kinds of issues come up there? Well, I think it's uh, money can be in a very emotional topic for people. So I think it, some people might have a mental model of money means scarcity and how they, you know, and some people could have low impulse control and be spending their money too much. So I think it really depends. Some people might um, be so dependent on other people for money they might stay in a relationship that they shouldn't be longer than it should so i think money can bring up a lot 
of emotions. Well, certainly the fears around investing as well, right? People have a, a lot of this. Uh, you you see it in real time. It's always amazing. They act irrationally. Um, you know, the markets are going down. And like everybody says, you know, buy low, sell high. But, every, but so many people... Like including my dad. My dad's probably like one of the worst investors ever. <laughs> and and um, he he's uh, I've been try I've tried to talk him off the ledge so many times. But fortunately, he's done well in his life. But he's the guy who, when he gets in the, he shouldn't be in the stock market ever because he's buying uh, when everybody else is happy and and he's selling when everybody, uh, you know, everybody's scared. Which is exactly the opposite of what a good investor does. Um, but is that a type of in emotional intelligence that you develop as well? Yes. So emotions, this is all about decision-making, which is one of the five competencies we talk about. Emotions is how do you solve problems when emotions are involved? Are you objective? Can do you, Or do you let your emotions cloud your objectivity? Or, as I said before, do, are you tempted uh, you know, do you resist temptation and or delay a temptation? And so with decision making, emotions can actually be a really good uh, factor to think about when you're making a big purchase, for instance. You know, your emotions will probably make you a little bit more frugal and more cautious about making a purchase of a car or a house or or stock or on the stock market. So they can be used some, for, as some great information to help you. But as you said before, like your father maybe to his detriment. Right, right. Get, getting back to the idea of money, um, did you, how, does, how does emotional intelligence shift once uh, someone finds uh, financial success? Well, I don't know if it does. I think, I think, will that make them happy? I don't know. I mean, if that is what the goal is, I mean, there are lots of successful people out there that have low emotional intelligence. Yeah. We see that in the news all the time. Right. I think uh, emotions, yes, I think you can use your emotions to make good decisions about money. But once you're successful, I mean, the ultimate the, the ultimate goal with emotional intelligence is you will become happier. That's the byproduct of emotional intelligence. If you have well-balanced emotional intelligence, but just because you're financially successful doesn't mean that you're happy. Right. So uh, go, let's go back to that idea, though, of, of uh, happiness. So is there, have you, has there been a way to correlate um, emotional intelligence with happiness? Are there studies on that or how, yes. how do we know that? Yes. So there are four competencies on the model that, that I use, the EQI 2.0 model, which was developed by multi-health systems. Um, I use a model and they say there are four competencies that are directly related to happiness. Those are self-regard. So how you view yourself, your confidence, your ability to take your own needs into consideration, uh, interpersonal relationships, how good your relationships are. Are you able to build mutually satisfying relationships? Uh, Self-actualization, how fulfilled you are in your life. Are you living a life of meaning and purpose? And finally, optimism. Do you have a positive outlook on life? And when you think about what's happened in the pandemic, when we stopped seeing people and our interpersonal relationships went down, as, as did um, probably our positivity with all the negative stuff that was going on in the world, obviously, I mean, the happiness report reported, right? We're not as happy and our mental health has gone up, has, has deteriorated um, since the pandemic. So yes, there's a definite correlationship between emotional intelligence and happiness. What do you think um, in general, like a, 
you know, a good start for anybody who's taking this, uh, you know, listening to this podcast um, would be to, you know, strengthen their emotional intelligence? Well, the first thing, not to solicit, uh, you know, unsolicited <laughs> plug, but I would get buy book. my book. Yeah. yeah, get the book, right? Um, and again, but- that the book is called The Emotionally Strong Leader and Inside Out Journey to Transformational Leadership. Yeah. And I mean, the reason why I called it, like I said, emotionally strong leader is you can be emotional and strong. The second reason it's called the inside out journey, journey to transformational leadership is it's yes, leadership is about leading people, but you first got to look inside. How do you show up as a leader and how that does that affect the results you're getting? So, you know, my mother always told me, if you point a finger at someone, three fingers point back at you. So it's really about Stop being so afraid of our emotions. Feelings are not facts. They're just feelings. They're transient experiences to uh, an emotional trigger. You know, we've been emotionally triggered, right, by something, someone, or a situation, and we have an experience. And so it's not, they're fleeting, but they're incredibly personal. And it's really hard to be an objective bystander of our emotions. So I would first uh, stop being so afraid of feelings, figure out what your baseline is, Figure out where you're strong in, where you're not so strong in, where your development opportunities are. Ask people that you know, that you work with, your family, people that care about you. How do you see me? Do you think I'm overly confident? Do you think, you know, I care too much about what people think? Do you think I can control my impulses? And once you get a real good assessment of, okay, here's, here, are my, here are my things that I need to work on. Then come up, use the book to come up with some strategies on what you're going to do to be the best version of yourself. Uh, give us some examples of the feedback you've got. And obviously, you know, uh, people are probably getting a lot of benefit from it. But do you have any anecdotes, uh, feedback from from readers so far? The book's not out yet. So oh, the book, well, probably yeah. not then, right? Well, how about from your students? Um, from my students, but or from all the courses that we we train. We, I've run my company for the last 17 years. So and we um, the EI experience, which is uh, the, where I'm a president of. We've been doing that since 2017. We've never been busier um, because people no longer don't know what emotional intelligence is. People know that they need it. The World Economic Forum says it's the one of the top ten skills that are needed for for the you know the success of for the future of jobs. So it's absolutely um, prevalent, and you absolutely need need it. But it's been um, you know I would say you know D- Daniel Goldman made it popular in 1995. But I think now, and especially because we're we're leading a different generation, right? Think about the younger generation. Uh, they're not made up the same makeup as you and I. Yeah, you know, sure. They have lower independence, lower problem solving, and lower stress tolerance than any other generation before them. You can't just say to a younger generation, figure it out, because they won't know how to figure it out, right? They need a different kind of um, emotional education than we would. For, for right? Yeah, absolutely. So when, uh, when does the book come out? book comes out in Canada, September 13th, and in the U.S., October 4th. And is it uh, going to be available all over the usual areas, Amazon, yeah. that kind of thing? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Chapters, you name it, Target, you name it, all the uh, retailers out there online and on shelves. Fantastic. Again, it's the Emotionally Strong Leader and Inside Out Journey to Transformational Leadership. Carolyn, thanks for joining us in Wealth Formula Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, I know it's a little different pace here in terms of the types of material that we have, but sometimes I try to, you know, get some information that you might, you know, you might want to address. If if emotional intelligence is a big problem in your life, you probably have a pretty good idea of that. You know, not being able to control your emotions and stuff like that. Uh, obviously it's, it's uh, big for all parts of your life, but obviously with, with regard to money, it's, I think it's uh, pretty critical as well. Uh, anyway, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.